The reading from Titus, chapter 2, verses 1 through 8. But as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanders or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good, and so train the younger women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. Likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works. And in your teaching, show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned, so that an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. Thank you, John David. How are we doing this morning, church? Doing good? You always answer. I, I like it. This morning, we're dealing with Titus chapter 2, as was just read for us. And we're going to try and visualize this image of what Christians need out of other Christians. Because the truth is, in order to follow Jesus well, in order to have a real, life-changing faith in God, you have got to be involved in community. Involved in a group of people growing together, sharpening each other as iron, as Proverbs 27 says, rejoicing together, crying together. And that's something that I've experienced here at the Spring Road Church of Christ. And if it's not something that you've experienced here or you've experienced anywhere else, then you really don't know what you're missing out on. A community of believers growing together. Over the past few weeks, we have spent some time in 1 Peter chapter chapter 5, which is generally understood to be instructions for elders. And as we've seen, the concepts given to elders really apply to all Christians as we strive to be good Christian leaders and good Christian followers. And last week, as as we looked at the impact of the devil's work in this world, we realized we're not just following Christ together as a church, but we are fleeing from, from the devil together as a church. You cannot go through life Alone, You need other people in your life who are sprinting towards Jesus with you. And if you're able to, there are people around you who need your encouragement, who need your experience, who need your hand to pull, pull them up so they can continue to walk with God. Christianity cannot be an individual endeavor. If we're, if we're going to follow the instruction that was given in 1 Peter chapter 5 that we've looked at for the past three weeks, that we would have leaders who are passionate about the spiritual growth of the people who are around them, that we would have growing Christians who are eager to follow, eager to learn, then we really need to have a, a realistic idea, a realistic image of what this might look like in our church and in churches around our world. In light of everything we've seen in 1 Peter 5, I invite you to join me this morning as we, as we dive deeper into Christian community 
into a spiritual and relational space that I'm calling church culture, where we are following and we are leading each other as we move towards Christ. So let's jump right into Titus chapter 2. What we're going to see is different instruction given to different groups of people. But in all these instructions, there are similarities, like responsibility, like humility, and submission. Once again, from Titus chapter 2. But as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good. Now this falls right in line with what we've been reading in 1 Peter 5. Older Christians are to stand as examples to other people around them. Now if you feel like you're too tired to keep working in ministry, maybe you're too old to make a real difference anymore, Paul and Peter's instruction to you is absolutely not. Your voice is needed. Your voice of love and of knowledge and of faith, your example is treasured because there are those around you who are trying to follow you, trying to figure out what it means to lead a Christian household, what it means to love God well. The church needs leaders, older members who are leading others towards Christ. Let's keep reading. And so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure and working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. I want to pause right here and say something about these verses. Maybe you hear a passage like this and you, and you think, you know, this scripture was written to a different context. Or, or this verse doesn't have much to say to me. Yes, context matters. And yes, scripture is often written to and for people in a specific place and time. But this verse and all of these verses absolutely have something to say to you. The word of God cannot be written off as irrelevant because we think it's not for us. And if we really consider what this scripture is saying to its particular context, we might realize it has more to us to say than we thought. You see, Paul is writing this letter in about 60 AD to Titus, who's been left to establish the churches on the Isle of Crete. And Crete was an island off the coast, uh, uh, of, uh, uh, off the coast of Greece. It still is. Crete was a central hub for the worship of of the gods like Zeus. And they actually believed that Zeus was from Crete and that he was even buried in Crete. He was a man who became a god. And because of the high status in this Greco-Roman world, the citizens who lived on the island of Crete believed themselves to possess godly qualities. And the men were known for their silver tongues and their great might as warriors. And they often sold themselves 
in, uh, 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 in the wars to the highest, uh, 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 to the person who would pay the most. Likewise, all the women of Crete were wealthy. They enjoyed great privileges in their society, so they saw no need to be engaged in single husband marriages, nor did they see any need to take care of their children. Instead, the women were free to enjoy casual sexual relationships and enjoy worldly appetites in Crete. These instructions in Titus 2 for women certainly relay a kind of ideal that Christian households and churches should try to emulate. But more importantly, it's instruction to not live like the world around you. The church needs women who will love their husbands and love their children. The church needs women who are single to be pure. Now, don't hear what I'm not saying. The church needs godly men, too. And we'll get to you guys in a second. But the church needs women who are pure, who don't neglect their children at any stage of life. There was a time not that long ago in this country where that was not a bizarre thing to ask. But the way that our country is moving, verses like these are becoming scandalous. With this in mind, I want to I, I read these verses again. And so train the young women to love their husbands and children. Be self-controlled and be pure working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands, so that the word of God may not be reviled. Many people might be afraid of, of that word submissive. The Greek word used here does carry a servant-master connotation. In fact, it's the, it's the same word that's used again in just a few verses to give instructions to servants. But the word submissive here also means this. Voluntary yielding in love. There's nothing scandalous or taboo about Christian women not participating in the passions of this world because of the love that they have for their God, the love they have for their families, and the love that they have for the church. In fact, Paul has nearly the exact same thing to say to the men. Continuing on in Titus chapter 2, 6. Likewise, urge, likewise, you see that? Likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. Show yourselves in all respects to be a model of good works. And in your teaching, show integrity and dignity and sound speech that cannot be condemned so that an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. You remember the Cretan men I talked about, these mighty warriors. The reason the women had so much money and so much time and so much freedom to live these worldly lives is because the men were away at work, off in foreign countries, earning money for their abilities and enjoying the activities and, and the women along the way. In comparison to the non-Christians in Crete, these new Cretan Christian men must have looked like 
a dog on a leash. Talk about submission. Submission to the, you, you, your responsibility as a leader in your household or your responsibility to a household at all. Submission to the authority of God's word, not just the authority of the emperor. Submission to your spouse as a partner, a co-heir of the gospel. The church needs godly men. Men who are willing to set aside worldly pursuits in order to be a model of Christian life. Men who are excited about teaching and their knowledge of Scripture. Men who are excited about their children coming to know Jesus. Men who are spiritual leaders in their homes. We'll come back to these images of Christian men and women a little bit later. But let's keep reading in chapter 2, verse 9. Now bondservants are to be submissive to their own masters in everything. They are to be well-pleasing, not argumentative, not hilfering, but showing all good faith, so that in everything they, they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. This is another type of passage, verses about slaves or bondservants, that we might glaze over. Again, thinking, it's not for me. But the ideals that are related with slave language in, in the New Testament can really be used to talk about everyone who works. Let's take a, 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 a poll this morning. If you're joining us on Facebook, you can participate too. I can't see you, so it's on the honor system. But let's take a quick poll. Raise your hand this morning if you have a job, have had a job, or are trying to get a job. Raise your hand this morning. Great job. <laughs> you put your hands down. Now this time, I want you to raise your hand if you work for yourself. That means you work on your own land, you provide your own goods and services, or maybe you own your own business. Raise your hands. A lot less. I see one. There's a couple more who aren't here this morning. It doesn't mean that one of these is better than the other. But when you work for someone else, if it's a, a business or a, a corporation, you are subject to them. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with working for someone else. You might love what you do. And that's a, something that should be praised. And we could talk about that another time. You might love what you do. But when these servant-master relationships, these subject-lord relationships, these employee-employer relationships become a burden on you, it can be really easy to slack off, to complain, to be hostile in your work environment. The church needs people who are going to be good workers. People who are going to submit to their jobs, to submit to their bosses, so that in everything, even how you send your emails, how you ail out expense reports, how you talk to your fellow employees, you are declaring the goodness of God. 
in working through this opening section of Titus chapter 2, we've covered a number of areas. I want to try to put it all together to help us better understand what Paul is calling these Cretan Christians to do. The first thing that we need to remember this morning is that Scripture is not just calling us into something, but it's calling us out of something. He's not telling these Cretans to pack up and move off the Isle of Crete because Crete is a sinful island. No, he's challenging them to keep living among the evil, but look so unlike it that in every good work, God's goodness will be visible. In fact, when you don't look like the world around you, it's far easier to leave than it is to stay right where you are and teach and live and be a model of sound doctrine. That's hard. That's hard. Scripture is calling us to follow God, but it's also calling us to stop following our world. You don't get baptized, and then we vanish into heaven. We're still here. We're still working. And that's hard. The second thing I want us to remember this morning is the role that the church is supposed to play in the lives of Christians. For these Cretans who are receiving Paul's letter, they need to, they need to be reminded that Christians are to be following and leading each other Older Christians need to be guiding and modeling Christian living to young men and women. Younger Christians need to be following the examples of mature Christians who are demonstrating what it looks like to be self-controlled, to be submissive, to be teachers of what is good. The church is a place where Christians are coming together to celebrate the goodness of God, to meditate on his words, But it's also a body of people who are walking through life together, who are not following the patterns of this world, but are working together to live for good works, to share the goodness of God's word. A third thing I want us to remember this morning is the responsibility that we have as Christian men and Christian women and as Christian workers. For Cretans, there is no real need to prioritize the household, or there was no real need to prioritize the family because society had a different idea of what the family could or even should look like. Now tell me that doesn't sound like what's happening in our country right now. As people try to redefine what the family unit's supposed to be, as people try to redefine who has authority, as we try to redefine what human rights are, It's happening in what I believe to be evil ways, but it's also happening in economic ways, too. Like when our lives are consumed by the pursuit of money and worldly pleasure. The church needs men and women who are going to treat their marriages and their families as a holy priority. The church needs men and women who are single to use their lives as a beacon of purity, a beacon of holiness in a culture that celebrates a promiscuous lifestyle. The church needs men and women who are going to be good workers, 
who will use their endeavors as opportunities for holiness. This is something that has been said here a lot. When you become a Christian, it doesn't just become an additional footnote in your life. You could be a husband, a teacher, uh, maybe you ski, maybe you cook, and you're, you're also a Christian. That's how the Cretans were treating their new identity in Christ, as just another aspect of who they were, another footnote on their life. But no, being a Christian means real transformation. If you're a Christian, then that means you're going to treat your wife differently. You are going to teach differently. And yes, you're even going to ski and cook differently because of your identity as a child of God. If we don't, if we don't model sound doctrine in our lives, if we don't exhibit self-control and submission to one another, then we inevitably become bad Christian followers, and we will certainly be bad Christian leaders. This, again, is not to suggest that we are to be removed from the world as maybe a unk would, but we're to engage with this world in a manner that prioritizes our identity in Christ. I want to read one more section this morning from Titus chapter 2 as we, as we close together. If Christians could really embrace this model of church community, of, of church culture, then the church really would be a place that stood in opposition to the world around us, and not out of aggression or hostility, but the church would be zealous for something that was otherworldly. And this, this world would and already does have a big problem with that. I'm going to pick back up in Titus chapter 2, verse 11. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness, to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Declare these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority, and let no one disregard you. As we've seen this morning, Titus chapter 2 has different instructions to different people, uh, different groups based on maturity and on gender. But salvation is for all people. These instructions are for all people, for all Christians. And if we're going to realize that, we must embrace the community that we have in Christ. We need to lean on each other, not just for friendship, but for partnership. A people for God's own possession. So that we together can confidently live godly lives in this present age. As has been said a number of times over the past month, you are all followers and you are all 
leaders. Someone is looking to you for spiritual guidance and whether or not you realize it, you are looking to others. This should give us this level of mutual responsibility, not just for our own relationship with God, but also for the people who are around us. This follower-leader atmosphere has to be led not by people trying to become leaders, but by everything that we've talked about today. The church has to be led by a responsibility to others, by humility to others, and by submission to others. And this is not a passive submission by any means, but it's a yielding out of love. It's something that we are all called to do before Christ. As we conclude our study this morning, I want to give you two pieces of optional homework. And if you're like me, when I was in school, you, you can actually complete this homework before you leave the building today. Here's your homework. If you are older, you can do two things. Introduce yourself to someone who is younger than you that you don't know. Or check in with someone who's younger than you that you haven't talked to in a few weeks. If you are younger, here's the two things that you can do. You probably guessed it. Introduce, your someone, introduce yourself to someone who's older that you don't know. Or check in with someone older than you that you haven't talked to in a few weeks. If we expect to have any hope to stand against the devil, to stand firm in our faith like we talked about last week, we have to stand together as partners, as leaders and followers, as brothers and sisters in Christ. If you have not been baptized this morning and you want to know more about becoming a Christian, about joining this church, this family of people who have committed their life to Jesus in response to what Jesus has done for us on the cross, which is the ultimate display of humility and submission. We would love to share that with you this morning. If you are a Christian, but your faith has felt more isolated than it should be, maybe you need some encouragement this morning to be a better spouse. Maybe you need some encouragement this morning to be a better sibling, to be a better child of God, to be a better worker. We'd love to pray for you this morning. We're set up a time to continue to study with you one-on-one. My prayer this morning for our church is this, the end of Titus chapter 2, that we would renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, that we would live self-controlled, upright, waiting for our blessed hope, that we would anxiously await the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, so that we, together as a church, can live godly lives in this present age. If you have any need, make it known right now or later this week as we stand and as we sing.